Welcome to Wizard Team, a Harry Potter cast for true Potterheads. Each week we discuss a chapter from the series with all of our knowledge of the world of Harry Potter. Be warned, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. I'm Robin. And I'm Bayana. We're really excited to go through these chapters and discuss all of our thoughts and feelings about the book. Today we are discussing Chapter 13 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. We have some (laughs) announcements and reminders. We want this podcast to be interactive and want to know your thoughts and feelings. So please feel free to tweet along with us. Use the hashtag WizardTeam on Twitter to follow along. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be Black at Hogwarts? Do you want to write about it? We are working on a project called Hogwarts BSU, a collection of stories, fan art, etc., um, illustrating what it would be like to be a Black Hogwarts student. If you would like to submit, you can check out the website for guidelines. You can also hit us up if you have any questions. Love our blog. Love Wizard Team. Have a few extra galleons lying around. Please consider donating to BGNO. We have a lot of dope things we want to do, and we need your help. If you go to Black Girls Nerd Out, slash donate. You can find out all the ways we take donations and we will keep you guys updated on where those donations are going. Mostly probably to pay off the bills and the debt that we got going to London and then to to invest in some tech. Those are probably the first two big things that we're going. Yeah. Yeah. As you're listening to this, we are on our way back home, which is sad. Mm. Um, (laughs) Needless to say, Needless to say, this is the time you want the episode. But yeah, we're like in a plane, in different planes. Oh, that's sad. Um, And you can listen to our voices while we deal with these eight to 10 hour flights. Thestrals in the sky. Magic. I don't understand why. Never mind. Why it was a Thestral? Yeah. Because it was just like, I don't know. I don't think Thestrals get enough love. I like Thestrals. I just don't. Planes aren't flying inside them. Oh, yeah. Well, I was thinking about flying on one, but planes aren't death. But they're not. not, You always are trying to to associate it with death, which makes no sense. You death? You? You. No. Yeah. Or other people's death. I think it's wrong. Oh. Well, sometimes people got to die so that we can experience the magic of flight. Um, also to subscribe to our newsletter every week we share nerds to what's been going on so if you want to be in the know be sure to subscribe you can go to blackgirlsnerdout.com to do so all right so let's where do they what do they do Robin after that oh, wait, wait 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 no my thing is being real okay follow oh. us at we black and nerds on twitter like us at black girls nerd out on facebook um, join the Wizard Team Facebook group to uh, have Wizard Team Harry Potter discussions um, that without like the character limit of Twitter and fan uh, Harry Potter news. Okay. Again, we're timing watching. Huh? Sorry, I, I. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Potter news. Um, yeah. So. We're timey-wimey again, so there's no, like, news news that we know of at this point. Um, so, but keep an eye out for our London content. A Cursed Child um, bonus episode has gone out at this point. Um, so if you don't care about spoilers for The Cursed Child or you've already read the script and you don't plan on going to see the play, go ahead and listen to that. Um, this is also our 50th episode. 
which is awesome. What? Uh, thank you for sticking with us for this long. Um, and we're doing it. Look at us being consistent. It's awesome. Um, Chapter past 50 with our bonus episode. Well, it's more than 50 with our bonus episodes. This is not including bonus We're doing this, yeah. This is just a chapter by chapter. Um, Yeah. We're killing the game. Um, Also, magical birthdays. Tomorrow. Oh. What? Tomorrow is Jenny's birthday. So shout out to Jenny. This is so out of sync. Um, We are at our 50th episode. Sorry. Shout out to Jenny. You're amazing. You're killing (laughs) the Quidditch game. Um, But I wanted to say... Like, we're not even halfway through the chapters that we have to no. read. No. We're not even halfway through the series. No. We're not even at the halfway point of the book of the series. So yeah. think about how many more chapters we have to go. That's exciting. I know. <laughs> we're like maybe an eighth of the way through. I'm or no. Excited. In terms of chapters, let me think. Because we still have the big books. To go, like, yeah, 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 we're maybe an eighth of the way through. Yeah. That's cool. Tight. Okay. Um, so we're still trying to why me. Robin's book is still somewhere in San Diego or on in transit and route back to her. Um, and I had, a, I had a second book, but I loaned it to someone. And then I was like, I'm going to get the new book with the new... Um, cover but then I was like I don't have any money for that right now so Brianna will be leading our discussion but I will chime in because I have thoughts and feelings and that's what this podcast is for thoughts and feelings um so previously on wizard team um Harry is learning how to cast a Patronus from Remus um and there's lots of feelings all up in there that we will not um revisit for the sake Ooh, of not being sad. Um, <laughs> and then um, McGonagall returns the firebolt to Harry, saying that it's all good. There's no jinxes. Um, Harry, Ron, and Hermione all make up until Scabbers decides he's just going to go ahead and frame frame Crookshanks for killing him and disappears again. And Ron and Hermione are now in another fight. Um, because... To what it look, what it looks like is that Crookshanks killed Scabbers, but we all know the truth. We know the truth. What is that Michael Jackson one? Um, they don't really care about us. All I want to say is that they don't really care about us. Is that what you're saying? So, yeah, but she goes something. Oh, something. you know the truth. <laughs> you know the truth. Um, she said something before them, but I can't remember. But yeah, yeah, yeah. so two things. Um, we talked about. Scabbers and how problematic he is, but you had mentioned this yesterday or yesterday. <laughs> it was yesterday, but Woo. Um, but you, the last episode you had mentioned about like him framing Kirkshanks and like the un- like how unnecessary that was, mm-hmm. and um, it got me thinking about Peter and not. And his, like, not wanting to take responsibility for the choices that he makes. Um, he frames Sirius, right? Because he doesn't even want to stand up in the truth that he was the bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Voldemort's gone. And he would rather live the next couple of years as a rat than the bad guy. On, like, right. And 
there's no saying that he would end, like, there's no, it doesn't follow that he would have ended up being captured in an Azkaban because there were a ton of Death Eaters that did not get captured, um, that were on the run. And as we could see with Sirius, like, being an unregistered anime guy, it would have been very possible for him to, like, run away, start a new life in another country, like Romania or whatever. Um, but like still live as a human and not, and, um, but the thing that he doesn't get by doing that is one, he has no one to take care of him, which is his main thing is he doesn't like to really take care of himself. Mm -hmm. Um, and two, he is, he loses like the sense of like, Oh, poor Peter Pettigrew. Like he's no longer, um, like a victim. Or, yeah, yeah. And, and so he doesn't do that with in the aftermath of like Voldemort killing the Potters, which is a little bit under, more understandable because it is, um, you know, a big betrayal and it's a big story and um, he would definitely be a villain. But then like it's so ingrained in who he is that as a rat, he needs to still like leave with sympathy. Like he needs, he needs someone else to be the villain, and so mm-hmm. he frames Crookshanks. And um, I do this a, lo- a lot as a joke and a little bit um, sincerely, but I try to check myself, which is like not taking responsibility. Like I'll blame the baby when we all know the baby didn't do it. <laughs> or I'll be like, Akira's a bad influence. And then she's like, but how? You're, mm-hmm. You've literally lived like twice my life. Um, not quite twice her life. I'm not that old. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, it's partial. Like, I just like to make a joke. But then there's also this younger sibling syndrome um, of always having someone who else was in charge. Someone else made the decisions. Like, even when I was growing up, like, I never until high school really stayed home alone. There was someone like to make sure I was okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, I'm sure that's true of like everyone, but you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like when you were younger, like it was your parents or your grandparents and then, and then you stayed home alone. But for like younger siblings, it's like, there's this really great John Mulaney joke, which is like when he, his, when he was like 10, he found out that his like babysitter was like 15. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what made her the adult? You know, she's right. a slightly larger child, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of similar with like, when my brother would be the one like in charge, right? It's like, why is he in charge? Like, he's four years older than me. So yeah. like, I mean, that's like one of my... Like when I, I started, I think I started staying home alone at like 10, but um, probably that's because I'm the oldest, but then also it was only for like maybe a maximum of two hours. But if it was going to be longer mm-hmm. than that, we had a babysitter and she's like, yeah, she's only like five or six years older than me. And to the point where like now some of my friends are her age, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's weird, but. Yeah. So I think like, yeah, part of that is just like always having and when you have a babysitter and something goes wrong, the ultimate blame falls on them, right? It's like you mm-hmm. can do things and you can get in, you can definitely get in trouble and you have to own up to actions that you take. But when it's like a big thing, um, that 
the the overall blame. I remember, <laughs> I was telling on myself all the time. My brother um, was driving and his car was in the garage and he was going to leave. And I was like, oh, let me back it out. So I hop in the seat in, in his car and all I have to do is go straight. But I turn the wheel or, the, or he said, or he said, all you have to do is turn straight or just go straight. Don't turn the wheel or anything. And then somewhere in the course of that, um, I was about to hit the wall. And so he started being like, and he was outside the car, like, you know, making sure I was okay. And he started being like, turn, turn. And then he panicked and he's like, stop. And like, I panicked. And so I hit the gas instead of the brake and I broke off the side mirror. Well, but I was like 13 and he was 17, which actually is a difference. Yeah. There's a, there's a big maturity difference there, mm-hmm. but I did it. Like he, he was stopping me, but he, he panicked. And so I panicked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got a like, Oh my God, girl, what is wrong with you? But he got in trouble because like, we had to like fix his car, you know, mm-hmm. like i basically ran his car into the side of the house and um it wasn't his idea to let me drive or it wasn't his idea for me to drive I jumped in the car but he didn't stop me he thought I could handle it right so um I bear responsibility for like crumbling under pressure which guys if there's a theme (laughs) I crumble (laughs) under pressure um but he bared like the ultimate brunt of the responsibility and so this is a long way to say it's a very interesting thing that makes me want to learn more about Peter, Peter's youth and like how he grew up before meeting the Marauders, that it's so ingrained in him to, to blame someone else for his actions. Yeah. yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So let's move on because I could continue on this. Like I was just thinking about it and I was like, there, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the start of the chapter, but yeah, that is really yeah. interesting to think about. Um, okay, so let's get into Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. So Ravenclaw. Um, <laughs> it looked like the end of Ron and Hermione's friendship. Um, each was so angry with the other that Harry couldn't see how they'd ever make up again. Ron was enraged that Hermione had never taken Crookshank's attempts to eat Scabbers seriously. Um, hadn't bothered to keep a close enough watch on him and was still trying to pretend that Crookshanks was innocent by suggesting that Ron look for scabbards under all the boys' beds. Hermione, meanwhile, maintained fiercely that Ron had no proof that Crookshanks had eaten scabbards, that the ginger, ginger hairs might have been there since Christmas, and that Ron had been prejudiced against her cat ever since Crookshanks had landed on Ron's head in the magical menagerie. Um, so they're both right. But... Um, yes. And that's the thing with, like, arguments between Ron and Hermione is generally they're both right and they're also both wrong. Yeah. I think, too, it's interesting because with Ron and Hermione's blossoms into love, they both, I think, want each other to be on their side. And so they feel more hurt. You know, like, mm-hmm. if we have a disagreement or if we have a, if we see things differently, um, it stinks, but what's even more upsetting is that I don't have you on my side. You know what I mean? Like, you should want your friends um, to check you, especially when you're out of pocket. But when you just when you have a point, right, and it's a justifiable point, you want your friends to like acknowledge that. And 
in this case, I'm sorry, Hermione. I don't think that you you need to just say sorry because, like, yeah, okay, maybe Christian didn't do it. Maybe, um, which he didn't do it, but maybe um, the ginger hairs have been there since Christmas. But either way, you were very lax in taking or keeping Crookshanks away from Scabbers. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's that's the thing that's like ironic about it is that like and it's kind of similar to when um, Lavender's rabbit died and like where it's like you're right but you keep that to yourself you know what I mean like it's yeah, not yeah. and the other thing is like with this specifically she's right but she doesn't know that she's right she's really only saying it because she doesn't want to feel guilty about it and she's yeah. like on the defensive she doesn't actually know um, even though like what she said is true she doesn't know yeah. that it's true. Um, and it stands to reason, like the most, like it's Occam's razor or whatever, like the most logical thing is that Crookshanks did it. Like, yeah, totally. And so logically, she's, she's not even staying true to her, herself and like bowing to logic, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Um, personally, Harry was sure that Crookshanks had eaten scabbers. And when he tried to point out to Hermione that the evidence all pointed that way, she lost her temper with Harry too. Okay, side with Ron. I knew you would. First the firebolt, now scabbers. Everything's my fault, isn't it? Just leave me alone, Harry. I've got a lot of work to do. Um, so then that's like even more telling of like the situation that she's in. So like while she's wrong in this particular instance, she also just has a lot going on. And yeah. it's just like this is this is like a year where she and I, there's like a later chapter where like Hagrid kind of like um, goes together. in on Harry yeah. and Ron because it's like this is the year where she clearly needs the most support um, and it and generally unless it's like some straight up like bigoted thing that happens Hermione is usually the last person who needs it and so they don't really god this if this is not a allegory for a black woman I don't know what is um, but they assume that she can take on everything and so they don't totally account for like her own feelings and like the fact that, yeah, she can get stressed. Yeah, she can feel pain, like all of these things. Um, mm-hmm. It's generally always like Ron is having a trouble, like is having issues or is mad. So then they focus on him or Harry's having, Harry always got issues. So focus on him. But there's very rarely any moment where Hermione's having an issue where they're focusing on her. Maybe yeah. um, Half-Blood Prince, um, when she and Ron get into that fight and then Harry sides with her a little bit more than he does with Ron. Um, but that's mostly just because Ron and Lavender don't have any chill. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I also think, too, it's, yeah, like what you said. Hermione's black, y'all. Hermione's so black. That was the struggle. Um, but it's also hard for them because Hermione isn't one to really keep secrets, right? So, um. They, and I just, I feel like I'm shitting on boys, but I just feel like boys are not that, as a whole, not, don't come at me, any, any one boy who's very, obser- like, has a, you know, very empathetic and is very observational. I'm saying this is complete generalization, but they need to see the trouble, right? So, like, or they need you to come to them and be like, look, this is all, everything that's coming, going on. And she can't do that. So she's also like super stressed, going through a lot, and keeping the secret. Um, 
But so I mean, like, in one way, yeah, they can't know the details, but they see her, like... They see her stressed out, yeah. And they see her struggling. Yeah. Like, all the books that she has, she's got trying to do, like, three different homework assignments at once, which is literally me um, all the time. Um, <laughs> and then, like, yeah, she's always on the verge of tears, like, with anything. Like, it's very clear yeah. that she's, like, a, like, she's under a lot of pressure, even if you don't know specifically that she's, like having like 30 hour days and all that kind of stuff yeah and and they do know all of the subjects she's taking even if they don't know how she's doing it mm -hmm. so I think um yeah it's 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 hard to because I just fell into that trap until you read further on which is like god Hermione you really are in the wrong here and you need to fess up but like she's so stressed out mm -hmm. And is the only one who keeps their promise to Hagrid, which, you know, like... Yeah, exactly. On top of that, which is like, we'll get yeah, to that, but on top of, of it, she's to, also doing that. Like, yeah, but of, of everyone to skirt that responsibility, it should have been her, mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm sorry, Hagrid, I just don't have time for this, but Harry and Ron are on it. They got time. Mm -hmm. You know? They got so, time. Yeah. Um, Ron had taken the loss of his rat very hard, indeed. Come on, Ron, you were always saying how boring Scabbers was, said Fred. And he's been off color for ages. He was wasting away. It's probably better for him to snuff it quickly. One swallow. He didn't, he probably didn't feel a thing. Fred, said Ginny. All he did was eat and sleep, Ron. You said it yourself. Um, so this is like, again, just Ron takes his things for granted until they're gone, gone or like in danger. And it's like a similar thing when he gets um, his owl at the end of the book in the next book he's like super rude to it yeah all the time calls it pig like just hella rude for no reason um and i mean it's also like it's a good introduction to deathly hallows when he is starts to really miss his family mm -hmm. um all the time he spends complaining about them and being overshadowed and all that stuff and not having any money and not mm -hmm. you know like yeah and it's it's something that i mean probably why I identify with Ron a lot is he's got younger sibling syndrome really bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got to chill. Mm -hmm. um, Ron, Ron reminds Harry that uh, Scabbers bit Goyle for them once. Um, his finest hour, said Fred, let the scar on Goyle's finger stand as a lasting tribute to his memory. <laughs> I love they him. They got to um, go too. <laughs> uh, oh come on Ron get yourself down to Hogsmeade and buy a new rat what's the point of moaning, moaning? Um, in a last inch attempt to cheer Ron up Harry um, persuades Ron to come to Gryffindor's final practice before the Ravenclaw match so that he could ride the fireball after they finished um, it did seem to take Ron's mind off of Scabbers um, so they set off for the Quidditch field later um, Madam Hooch was still overseeing the Gryffindor practices to keep an eye on Harry and so she like has she decides she wants to give them her professional opinion on the firebolt. Um, look at the balance on it. If the Nimbus series has a fault, it's the slight list to the tail end. You often find they develop a drag after a few years. They've updated the handle too, a bit slimmer than the clean sweeps. Reminds me of the old silver arrows. A pity they've stopped making them. I learned to fly on one, and a very fine old broom it was too. Um, she's such a Quidditch nerd. She that is. was all that but was. This is something else that I was thinking about. So Wood has been practicing like six days a week and Madam Hooch is there. Like Wood, 
She got shit she want to do. It's true. Chill. It's true. Like, you need to, my God. Yeah. Would need to chill. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they, so Madam Hooch and Ron leave the stadium. Um, Wood tells Harry that he found out who the Ravenclaw seeker is. It's Cho Chang. She's a first year and pretty good. Um, I really hope she wouldn't be fit. She's oh. had some problems with injuries. Wood scowled oh. his displeasure that Cho Chang had made a full recovery. Yeah. So Cho Chang should have been there. She's the first year. No, fourth. Oh, fourth. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was like, um, I, did, I did not clock that at all. I thought, no, like, no, no. Oh, why is Joe there in the Battle of Hogwarts? That doesn't make no sense. Okay. <laughs> fourth year. Which okay, I think like other women. I get it. You said what? So Harry likes them older women. I get it. I see you, Harry. Yeah, low key. Well, you know, until Jenny, who's not older, but I don't think that's yeah, like yeah. the defining factor. It's not a defining factor. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, do they? I, I had a note that was like, do they switch? Like they haven't had the same team all year, but then it said that um, she has injuries sometimes. So that's why. Mm. Um, which sounds like me. That's me all the time. Like as I speak. This damn wrist brace. Um, I'm over um, it. <laughs> I think you have carpal tunnel. I, also I think, think I do too, but it's the worst. <laughs> and as um, somebody who's always on her computer for work and other things, it really sucks. Yeah. I think um, if they did switch, that is probably a great strategy and a good way to get as many people involved in Quidditch as possible. Mm -hmm. And if bench. someone happens to, you know, I don't know, fall off of a fall, like 50 foot drop. I don't know, yeah. get a broken arm by, like, get chased by a bludger. Possibly. Have an teacher remove all the bones from their arm. Right. You know, possibly, like, almost gets cursed off their broom. Just, just throwing things out there, you know? Yeah. So it seems like they should always practice with an alternate. Mm -hmm. And Jenny would be great at it. Jenny would be great at it. We see you later. She's a good seeker. Um, on the other hand, she rides a Comet 260, which is going to look like a joke next, going to look like a joke next to the Firebolt. Um, so they start their practice. Harry is, um, having a lot of fun with the Firebolt because it turns at the lightest touch. It seemed to obey his thoughts rather than his grip. Um, so he's just like playing games, basically spinning around, like, you know, the end, which... I love the Prisoner of Azkaban movie. It's actually one of my favorites. Um, I think it's in my top two. It's just not number one because of a person who will remain nameless. But um, like the end when he gets his gift, he gets the firebolt at the end, which I kind of hated um, mm -hmm. because then it's like, so what did he do for the rest of the Quidditch? Yeah. Like they still won Quidditch match, which is like fine. But there's still two other games that have to happen. We don't see them. We don't even see that they win. Like the yep. um, the championship or whatever, like that's a really big part of this book is Quidditch, um, like more so than some of the other ones. And it's weird that then at the end he gets this little like one moment when he's on Firebolt, whatever. Um, so it was the best. It was the best practice ever. The team, inspired by the presence of the Firebolt in their midst, performed their best moves faultlessly. And by the time they hit the ground again, Wood didn't have a single criticism to make, which, as George Weasley pointed out, was a first. Um, I can't see who's going, what's going to stop us tomorrow, said Wood. Not unless, Harry, you started your Dementor problem, haven't you? Yes, said Harry, thinking of his feeble Patronus and wishing it were stronger. Um, so they all, they all go back to the tower, um, except for Harry, who is letting, who's going to let Ron um, 
fly on the firebolt. Um, Ron gets to fly around until, or they were, um, sorry, they were, yeah, they, Ron flies around until um, Madame Hooch wakes. So she had been like asleep in the stands. Um, she wakes and told Harry off, Harry and Ron off for not waking her uh, and insisted that they go back to the castle. Um, Harry shouldered the firebolt, and so they're on their way back to the castle. They were halfway there um, when Harry saw a pair of eyes gleaming out of the darkness. Um, <laughs> What's the matter, said Ron. Harry pointed. Ron pulled out his wand and muttered Lumos. Um, they find out it was Crookshanks beneath a tree. Um, Get out of here, Ron roared. Um, see, she's still letting him wander around wherever he wants, probably washing down scabbers with a couple of birds now. Um, Harry didn't say anything. He took a deep breath of relief, seeps, or yeah, as relief seeped through him. Um, he had been sure for a moment those eyes had belonged to the Grim, which I just, I'm over the Grim. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to add something else. But no, I'm just, I just felt like that was the thing I needed to it. say. I'm just over it. Um, so yeah, so they go back to the castle. Um, the next morning, Harry went down to breakfast. Um, the rest, with the rest of the boys in his dormitory, all who seemed to think the firebolt deserved a sort of guard of honor. Because, yeah, boys, they're a problem. Um, Harry saw with enormous satisfaction when they entered the great hall that the Slytherin team were all looking thunderstruck. Did you see his face? said Ron gleefully, looking back at Malfoy. He can't believe it. This is brilliant. Um, Wood, too, was basking in the reflected glory of the firebolt. <laughs> this is just really funny. Um, Put it here, Harry, he said, laying the broom in the middle of the table and carefully turning it so that the name faced upward. Um, people from the Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff tables were coming to look. Cedric Diggory came over to congratulate Harry on having acquired such a superb replacement for his Nimbus, and Percy's Ravenclaw girlfriend, Penelope Clearwater, asked if she could actually hold the firebolt. Now, now, Penny, no sabotage, said Percy. Penelope and I have got a bet on 10 galleons to the outcome of the match. Um, so Penelope leaves. And Percy says, Harry, make sure you win. I haven't got 10 galleons. Yes, I'm coming, Penny. And so then he goes off to um, eat with her. Um, oh, he called her Penny. They got pet names. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that it's really funny um, thinking about Quidditch brooms as opposed to like, I don't know, I guess in softball, baseball, it would be like a, a really good bat. Or in basketball. That's actually hella real. Yeah. Because whenever somebody gets a new bat, it's like, yo, not really a glove. Mm. They're not but a new like, bat. Cute. The new bat. Because there's like really specific ones that are hella good and then they like usually look pretty and stuff. But gloves are pretty regular. Yeah. So I think. Or new cleats too sometimes. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking about basketball shoes or sneakers and like. Mm -hmm. I remember when I got my um, Shemika Holds claws, <laughs> they stayed in their box until game time. After game time, went back in the box. <laughs> Poop. Thank you very much. <laughs> having a moment. And it was such a big deal, too, because when I wanted them so bad. I had to have them. And then we went to the store and they didn't have them in my size. And my mom does what my mom does and makes a scene. And it's like, but she's a basketball player. 
Y'all know these basketball players, they got big feet. You know how you know how shoes for big feet? And I was like, so everyone in Anaheim now knows that I have big feet. <laughs> um, but I got them. And then it was a thing. It was, I kind of want to get a new pair. I wonder if I can get an old pair. <laughs> they were. And it was the first time that like a girl player had her own shoe. And it was like, Tamika, Tennessee. I'm having a moment. I'm having a moment. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Uh, let's just pull you right out of that. Sure, you can manage that broom potter, said a cold, drawling voice. Draco Malfoy had arrived for a closer look. Yeah, Got plenty of special features, hasn't it? Shame it doesn't come with a parachute in case you get, in a, in case you get too near a Dementor. You can't attach an extra arm to yours, Malfoy said Harry. Then it could catch the snitch for you. It's just clapbacks on clapbacks. <laughs> that was pretty brilliant. Don't come for me lest I sin for you. Exactly. Um, so they leave um, the Great Hall. Um, it was a clear, cool day with a very light breeze. There would be no visibility problems this time. And Harry, though nervous, was starting to feel the excitement only a Quidditch match could bring. Um, as he like getting dressed, he wondered suddenly whether Professor Lupin was in the crowd watching. That's so cute. I'm sorry, they're just so they're just so awesome. They're adorable. Do you think um, that um, Harry feels tied to Professor Lupin because it's his first, not his first good teacher, but um, you know he's his favorite teacher. Or do you think that he feels something a little bit more? I think it's probably that it's his favorite teacher, and it's the one who's shown the most. Like McGonagall is great, but. She's like really intimidating and like strict and like has a you know what I mean like a very clear yeah. line. Whereas like while Lupin has that um, like very deliberately, he still like he goes out of his way to help Harry and then all his students in general. Like he's and he's also the first good defense good Starcross teacher. I think it's like a lot of things. It um, could be like a little undercurrent of some like other stuff. Like I didn't know, but you really are family. But I I just felt it in my soul or some shit. But like yeah. Um, so this is, um, sorry. You know what we've got to do, said Wood. If we lose the match, we're out of the running. Just, just fly like you all did in practice yesterday and we'll be okay. Um, so they enter the field. Um, the Wavenclaw team dressed in blue was already standing in the middle of the field. Their seeker, Cho Chang, was the only girl on their team. We don't see the Ravenclaw Quidditch team, um, in the movies, do we? I don't think so. I don't think so either. That sucks, because I'm sure, like, some blue robes would probably be hella cute. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> their seeker, Cho Chang, was the only girl on their team. She was shorter than Harry by about a head, and Harry couldn't help noticing, nervous as he was, that she was extremely pretty. Um, she smiled at Harry as the teams faced each other behind their captains, and he felt a slight lurch in the region of his stomach that he didn't think had anything to do with nerves. Um, a little further down. A little further down. Um Okay, this is still a children's book. <laughs> Chill out a little bit. Um, Wood, Davies. Come on. But 13 mm. is the cusp. I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying it's yeah, still it's a children's cusp. book. It is still, still a children's book. Um, yeah. Wood, Davies, shake hands. Uh, Madam Hooch said, mount your brooms on my whistle. Three, two, one. Um, Harry kicked off the air and the firebolt zoomed higher and faster than any other broom. Um, 
he soared around looking for the snitch, listening all the while to the camp commentary, which was being provided by the Weasley twins' best friend, Lee Jordan. So this is his yeah. first appearance in the whole book. Is it? So, I think so. During the first Quidditch match? No, because he couldn't hear anything. Cause the, um, oh, yeah, because of all of the storm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Hi, Lee. Hi, Lee. Uh, we missed you. And, and then you just come back right in rare form. It's great. Um, they're off. And the big excitement this match is, in the, is the firebolt that Harry Potter is flying for Gryffindor. According to which broomstick, the firebolt's going to be the room of choice for the national teams this, in this year's world championship. Jordan, would you mind telling us what's going on in the match? Interrupted Professor McGonagall's voice. Right you are, Professor, just giving a bit of background information. The Firebolt, incidentally, has a built-in auto-break in. Jordan, okay, okay, Gryffindor in possession, Katie Bell of Gryffindor heading for goal. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, the game's going on. Cho is tailing him, um, most likely, or, like, she keeps cutting across him, forcing him to change direction. Um, there's a snitch. Sorry, I'm trying to, like, skip by a lot of it since it's... Um, yeah, this is a long chapter. Um, so just as Katie succeeded in scoring the first goal of the match, the Gryffindor end of the field went wild. He saw it. The snitch was close to the ground, fitting or flitting near one of the barriers. Um, Harry dived, Cho tore after him. Um, then a bludger hit by one of the beaters came pelting out of nowhere. Harry veered off course, um, avoiding it by an inch, and the snitch had vanished. Um, George vented his feelings by hitting the second bludger directly at the offending beater who was forced to roll over in midair to avoid it. Gryffindor leads by 80 points to zero, and look at that firebolt go. Potter's really putting it through its paces now. See it turn. Uh, Chang's comet is no match for it. The firebolt's precision balance is really noticeable in these long... Jordan, are you being paid to advertise firebolts? Get on with the commentary. I, I just love their back and forth so much. It's so great. But it's also really funny because, um, like, Jordan, if he's not being paid to do this, like, no, he's not exactly. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't. Do we hear about who does? Does anyone do commentary after he leaves? Like, yeah, they do, but like, they don't. They're not as good. Yeah, it's Luna's just it's, pretty good, or more like I mean, not at like commentating, but just at being herself. Yeah. So um, sorry. Go ahead. I but just, yeah. No, that is funny. Um, so Ravenclaw just scored three goals, um, which put Gryffindor only 50 points ahead. Um, so he's still – Harry accelerated, his eyes fixed on a speck of gold ahead, but just then Cho appeared out of thin air blocking him. Harry, this is no time to be a gentleman, Wood roared. Knock her off her broom if you have to. Because, um, you know, yeah, no goddamn chill. So no. – <laughs> um, so she's so Cho had decided to mark Harry rather than search for the snitch herself. Um, so Harry decides that he's gonna, you know, take like use that. Um, he dived against he dived again, and Cho, thinking he'd see the snitch, tried to follow. Harry pulled out of the dive very sharply. She hurtled downward. He rose fast as a bullet once more, and then saw it for the third time: the snitch glittering way above the field at the Ravenclaw end. Um, he accelerated so many feet below. Did Cho? Um, he was winning, gaining on the snitch with every second. Then, oh, screamed Cho. Distracted, Harry looked down. Three Dementors, three tall, black, hooded Dementors were looking up at him. He didn't stop to think. Plunging a hand down the neck of his robes, he whipped out his wand and roared, Expecto Patronum. See, these are just things that would have been awesome to see in the movie, but okay, whatever. Um, 
<laughs> something silver white, something enormous erupted from the end of his wand. He knew he had shot it directly at the Dementors, but didn't pause to watch. His mind still miraculously clear. He looked ahead. He was nearly there. He stretched out his hand, still grasping his wand, and just managed to close his fingers over the small, struggling snitch. Um, Madam Hooch's whistle sounded. Harry turned around in midair and saw six scarlet blurs bearing down on him. Next moment, the whole team was hugging him so hard he was nearly pulled off his broom. Down below, he could hear the roars of the Gryffindors in the crowd. Um, that's so funny. Like, they really, they're like, have a huddle in the middle of the air, and that seems really dangerous, but also they're super excited, so... But also, um, Ravenclaw was distracted by the Dementors in the same way that the Gryffindors were in their game against Hufflepuff. So, I mean, they did win fair and square, but... They weren't. She wasn't really distracted by Dementors, and we'll see why in a second. Um, and it's oh. not distracted. You mean affected. Yeah. 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 Also, um, he was going to he was gonna get a snitch. I know. Let me just have my Ravenclaw pride, dude. Also, the those these Dementors, Dementors. were for Gryffindors and not Ravenclaw. Um, yes. Harry got off his broom and looked up to see a gaggle of Gryffindor supporters sprinting onto the field, Ron in the lead. Before he knew it, he had been engulfed by the cheering cla- uh, crowd. Yes, Ron yelled. Yes, yes. Well done, Harry, said Percy. Ten gallons to me. I must find Penelope. Excuse me. Good for you, Harry's roared Seamus. Ruddy brilliant, boomed Hagrid. Like, Gr- Hagrid, you're a teacher now. You can't choose sides, but... Yeah, you can. It was a good catch, but also, like, you can't. You gotta chill. Um, that was quite some Patronus said a voice in Harry's ear. Um, Harry turned to see Professor Lupin, who looked both shaken and pleased. So that's just... That's a lot of... That means a lot. He's shaken because he saw what the Patronus looked like, and so then he's like, oh, goddamn... That's probably oh, the full Patronus come out? It was a full Patronus. Harry didn't see oh. it because he just did it and then went. But because it wasn't a real RLC, it wasn't a real Dementor, he was able to just do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like clear headed. Um, and yeah, that was, was one of the things that I was going to say was that um, I was going with it wasn't a full, it wasn't a real Dementor. So do you think that's why he was able? And he was flying, like he was currently having a good time. Exactly. Um, do you think that's why it was so easy for him to... Uh, totally. I th- yeah. yeah, and I think in his brain, he was just like, it's a Dementor, I got it. You know what I mean? It was, it's yeah. lots of like, a, you didn't have time to be afraid. Um, yeah. And then to feel like the actual effects of the Dementor. Um, and because of that, then he, and he doesn't realize that he um, like made it corporeal or whatever. Um, if that's the word, I think it is. Um, but Lupin was like, holy shit. Then um, he's also pleased because Harry did it, um, and, and also because he won. Also because he won, but like he's trying to yeah. keep it on the low, unlike Hagrid, who's booming it over the heads of the milling Gryffindors. <laughs> um, the Dementors didn't affect me at all, Harry said excitedly. I didn't feel a thing. That would be because they uh, weren't Dementors, said Professor Lupin. Come and see. He led Harry out of the crowd until they were able to see the edge of the field. You gave Mr. Malfoy quite a fright, said Lupin. Harry stared, lying in a crumpled heap on the ground where Malfoy, Crabbe, Goyle, and Marcus Flint, the Slytherin ca- team captain, all struggling to remove themselves from long, black-hooded robes. It looked as though Malfoy had been standing on Goyle's shoulders, standing over them with an expression of utmost fury on her face was Professor McGonagall. An unworthy trick, a low and calorie, uh, cowardly attempt to sabotage the Gryffindor seeker, detention for all, from all of you, and 50 points from Slytherin. I shall be speaking to Professor Bumbledore about this. Make no mistake. Ah, 
he here he comes now. Um, yo, like I really needed to see that. But I also needed to see Slither and team get some more punishment than that because. It's what, not the like short, the detention and fifty points from Sl- uh I don't know we don't know if it's fifty points each from Slytherin. Yeah, no, I mean the team, the Quidditch team. Like you forfeit a game or you lose points mm. in the standings because it's not like for Slytherin fans who you know what I mean. Like, well, no, so, Crab and Goyle aren't on the team. But Marcus Flint is a captain, and Draco is on the team. That's true. Um, as the captain of the team, it you become like kind of the leader of the pack, even though we kind of know that Draco's the leader, but um, you just sanction like, like what Bengali was up, you're trying to get an advantage, gain an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. In the standings in a, yeah. in a different way than like it just being a prank. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it affects the game mm-hmm. and the season. Right. And I just feel like they've already had, oh, we can't play right now because our speaker, we've, like, they've done enough shady shit. That is true. Um, if anything could have set the seal on Gryffindor's victory, it was this. Ron, who had fought his way through to Harry's side, doubled up with laughter as they watched Malfoy fighting to extricate himself from the robe, Goyle's head still stuck inside it. Um, Come on, Harry, said George. Party, Gryffindor common room, now. Um, it felt as though they had already won the Quidditch Cup. The party went on all day and well into the night. Right, because these are like morning games, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're really, they're about that. They're about that life. Um, Fred and George, you said what? When, when the Packers won the Super Bowl, whoo, worst thing I ever did was not take the day after. If your team is in the Super Bowl, win or lose, take the, take the Monday off. <laughs> It was lit. Yeah, it's a lot. It was lit. It was so lit. I'm going to take the Monday off this year, too, because we're about to win again. Woo! Um, <laughs> Fred and George. This, this is my episode of uh, flashbacks, of good yeah. flashback memories. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fred and George disappeared for a couple of hours and returned with armfuls of bottles of butterbeer, pumpkin fizz, and several bags of Honeyduke sweets. How did you do that, um, squealed Angelina Johnson. With a little help from Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs, uh, Fred muttered in Harry's ear. There was only one person wasn't joining in the festivities. Hermione, incredibly, was sitting in a corner attempting to read an enormous book entitled Home Life and Social Habits of, of British Muggles. Um, Harry broke away from the table where Fred and George started juggling bo- uh, butterbeer bottles and went over to her. Did you even come to the match? Of course I did, she said, and I'm very glad we won, and I think you did really well, but I need to read this by Monday. Come on, Hermione, come have some food. I can't, Harry. I've still got 422 pages to read. I'm, I'm going to cry because that's horrible. Yeah. And I know that life, and I never would want that life off for anyone, not even my worst enemy, and especially not my witch. Um, Doppelganger. Yeah, that really sucks. Um, anyway, she glanced over at Ron. He doesn't want me to join in. There was no arguing with this as Ron chose that moment to say loudly, if Scabbers hadn't just been eaten, he could have had some of these fudge, fudge flies. He used to really like them. Like, shut up, Ron. And that, that's the thing. Like, Hermione bursts into tears and then runs to the staircase of the girl's dormitory and out of sight. And it's like, 
And that's the problem, like just with them in general. It's they like, and we've mm-hmm. talked about this. They always hit below the belt. It's like you can have a disagreement, you can be mad at each other, but sometimes you just gotta like be mad at each other and leave each other alone. But don't just keep yeah. like adding fuel Hoping to the fire. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And also, like, he is courting sympathy in a way mm-hmm. that villainize that vilifies Hermione even more than necessary, and. That's a part of another like younger man, us younger siblings. We we gotta chill. Um, but especially in a family that of of Ron's size, it's like sometimes like bad things happening is the only way that you do get attention, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, Fred George, y'all gotta take care of yourself right now because Ron's really sad or um Jenny got possessed by a book. You know what I mean? Like, this is our top priority right now, and you guys are old enough, and you can, you know, you just have to, you just have to deal. And I think that as we know more than any other Weasley, Ron craves attention and doesn't want to be overshadowed. And so this is a way that, and his brothers are on the team, and he's not on the team, and his best mm-hmm. friend is like the star. This is a way for him to get attention, and um, and he takes advantage because he he does not miss Scabbers this way, and we all know it because of like we said, like the way that he takes him for granted when he's there. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. Yeah. Um. Can't you give her a break, Harry? Asked Ron. No. If she just asked it, acted like she was sorry. But she'll never admit that she's wrong, Hermione. She's still acting like Scabbers has gone on vacation or something. Um, which is like, yeah, I get like your yeah. feelings are hurt. And I think that Harry, and that's the one thing, like Harry does care about Hermione and does come check. Like he does come and ask if like, like make sure that she's eaten, even though the first thing he asks is if she saw the match, um, which is about well, him. Priority. And, like, yeah. Um, I don't think it's about him so much as it's about Quidditch. It yeah, not, yeah, but it's just his priorities are not yeah. Quidditch over everything, right? I wouldn't be surprised if he had like Quidditch tatted on his back and like a really big. You would have Quidditch like thug life, like in the top, in the yep. top style on his mm-hmm. stomach. Yep, um, that Quidditch life. Yeah, that's a good tattoo. <laughs> um, the Harry Potter with the tattoo of Quidditch life on his chest. Yep, someone do that. It won't be. <laughs> um, the Gryffindor pa- uh, party ended only when Professor McGonagall turned up in her tartan, tartan dressing gown and bonnet at one in the morning to insist they all go to bed. I'm just going to say real quick, it does not say bonnet, but I crossed out hairnet and put bonnet because McGonagall is most likely black too. In my right. head. And she wearing so. a hairnet. Like, do white folk wear hairnets like that? I, I mean, know, older right. people, just... they want to keep their curls intact, I guess. She wears but. a hair in a bun most of the time, but right. it's a bonnet. Um... Harry and Ron, um, so they went upstairs. At last exhausted, Harry climbed in the bed, twitched the hangings of his four-poster, and shut um, and shut to block out the ray of moonlight and drift off to sleep. He had a very strange dream. He was walking through a forest, his firebolt over his shoulder, following something silvery white. It was winding its way through the trees ahead, and he could only catch, catch glimpses of it between the leaves. Anxious to catch up to it, he sped up, but as he moved faster, so did his quarry. Um, Harry broke into a run, and ahead he heard hooves gathering speed. Now he was running flat out, and ahead he could hear gallop, uh, galloping. 
Then he turned a corner into the clearing. Um, I'm going to stop. There's like an interruption, but um, first, just this like dream is really interesting to me because um, he's following something silvery white, which is like clearly a Patronus, um, which is not only, so it's in a way it's like he's following like father. happiness. Um, and the other way he's following, in like a more literal way, he's following his father. Or maybe not happiness, but like... You already said it. Sad nap commences. Okay, Robin, how many sad naps are you going to take? God. How many times are you going to break my heart? This It's the book that's doing this. Thoughts and feelings, Robin. Following happiness. Thoughts and feelings. I have all of the feelings. And my I know. feelings have to take a nap. No. Too much. You are a host. Got a 13-year-old has to chase happiness in his dreams. The what? one who like has to deal with his parents being killed every time he comes to a dementor. No, no. Um. So yeah. Also, it's some weird for it's some funny foreshadowing that's not actually foreshadowing, but for like the Silver Doe and Deathly Hollows, it's just funny because it's a similar thing that happens in then. But that's yeah. Not really, yeah, it's not connected, but, but cool. I wonder. I wonder. Um, but I, I do want to talk about Harry's dreams because some of mm-hmm. his dreams are definitely like Horcruxian yeah. moments. Um, <laughs> and then some of them like this, I don't think have anything really to do with the Horcrux, but no. he has prophetic dreams at times. And I wonder if that's a part of his magic, if he does have a little bit of fear in him. I wonder if like old older Harry, post-Voldemort Harry, um, still has semi-prophetic dreams. And they're always, um, and like the thing with like prophecy and seeing into the future and stuff is it's never clear cut, right? They're always a little bit um, vague, you know, no one can survive or one, both can not survive all the other one lives or something. However, neither that can die while the other survive, or neither can, yeah, live. Or neither whatever. can live yeah. while the other survives. Yes, um, and so I think that's because that works two ways, right? It's not like when um, Professor Trelawney is like fake in the future. It's always like I saw myself coming down, and it was very clear, and you know mm-hmm. what I mean. But like actual prophecy because of time streams and different timelines and everyone having free will to make their own decisions should be vaguer than that because Mm -hmm. you can't one decision affects the entire future. Um, So I just, yeah, it's interesting because I wonder um, if he does have a little bit of fear in him and if that comes through in his dreams and he just doesn't have the, you know, he's making up dreams and shit for divination so he doesn't have the uh vocabulary and the the knowledge to really unpack them mm-hmm. he probably yeah. he probably dreamt where all them horror cruxes were and he just didn't pay attention mm-hmm. and forgot about it yeah oh well oh, wow. um, then he turned a corner into the clearing and ah no um Harry woke as suddenly as though he'd been hit in the face. Disoriented in the total darkness, he fumbled with his hangings. What's going on? He thought he heard the dormitory door slam. Um, At last, finding the divide in his curtains, he ripped them back, and at the same moment, Dean Thomas lit his lamp. 
Um, Rod was sitting up in bed, the hangings torn from one side, a look of utmost terror on his face. Black, serious black, with a knife. What? Here, just now, slash the curtains, woke me up. Um, I'm sorry, Sirius, you, Sirius has to chill. With the curtains, slashing the curtains, you couldn't be quiet. You're going after like, a you rat. Like, you can hella be stealth. Like, that's the thing. You could be stealth. Like, you got into the dormitory. I mean, the rat's not there because he already, like, faked his death or whatever. But, like, sneak into the dormitory, peek into the curtains. Like, be stealth. Instead, he's just like, <laughs> with a knife over a 13-year-old saying, boy. What I'm saying, though, is... Like, serious. The emotions. He go from zero it's to 100 real quick. It's real quick. Much. He, he and it's so funny because we find out how, like, like um, he was patient already. The way he gets Ooh. in is, like, he had a plan, and then he just decides, fuck it. <laughs> it makes no sense. He, um, he's so close, and then he's like, ah! It's literally going to be us. We're going to be all patient and cool and chill while we're in line to get into the studio tour. And as soon as that door opens, I'm going to lose my shit. Yeah, but you're not going to pull a knife on a 13-year-old, hopefully. I, well, let's hope. Please don't. Please don't do that. I mean, I don't, um, I don't foresee myself having a knife. Yeah. But if I had one, mm, maybe. Necessary. Maybe the emotions just take me and I'm like, hey, we're about to do this thing. We're about no. to go. And just start jabbing the air. That makes no Who sense. Knows? No. You can't. Um. <laughs> when, the, when the music takes control. And you feel, well, I don't know. Never mind. I'm going to stop. Cool. Um, you sure you weren't dreaming, Ron? Said Dean. Look at the curtains. I tell you, he was here. They all scrambled out of bed. Harry reached the dormitory door first, and they sprinted back down the staircase. Um, uh, doors opened behind them. Sleepy voices, call voices called after them. Who shouted? What are you doing? The common room was lit. Um, are you sure you weren't dreaming, Ron? I'm tell oh, wait. The, um, the common room is deserted. Um, are you sure you weren't dreaming, Ron? I'm telling you, I saw him. What's all that noise? Professor McGonagall told us to go back to bed. A few of the girls had come down their staircase, pulling on dressing gowns and yawning. Boys, too, were reappearing. Um, excellent. Are we carrying on? Said Fred Weasley. Everyone back upstairs, said Percy, um, pinning his headboy badge to his pajamas as he spoke. Everyone knows your headboy, Percy, at this point. There's right? no, no one not. in Hogwarts knows that you're headboy. Jesus Christ. It is not that serious. Just calm down. Um, Pierce, Sirius Black, said Percy. I mean, said Ron, sorry. In our dormitory, with a knife, woke me up. The common room went very still. Nonsense, said Percy. You had too much to eat, Ron. Had a nightmare. I'm telling you. Now, really, the, enough's enough. Professor McGonagall was back. Which, um, that, where does she sleep? Probably real close to them. And that she yeah, I was like, it has sleep. to be close to be able to yeah. hear them and be like, what the fuck, y'all? Yep. Um, and I'm sure that she slammed. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Uh, I was gonna say I'm sure that like, um, in fraternities and sororities and stuff, you have like a house mom, mm -hmm. and they stay at the in the house with you. Um, so I'm sure that because she's like head of Gryffindor, um, she is very like there might even be like a, another passageway into her quarters or something like that, so that she can be there. She can be first on the scene if anything goes wrong. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, she definitely came in from the from the front, but like, yeah, it has to be somewhere yeah. close. Um, she slammed the portrait behind her as she entered the common room and stared furiously around. I am delighted that Gryffindor won the match, but this is getting ridiculous. 
Percy, I expected better of you. I certainly didn't authorize this, Professor. I was just telling them all to get back to bed. My brother Ron here had a nightmare. It wasn't a nightmare, Ron yelled. Professor, I woke up and Sirius Black was standing over me holding a knife. Um, McGonagall stared at him. Don't be ridiculous, Weasley. How could he possibly have gotten through the portrait hole? Ask him, said um, Ron, pointing a shaking finger at the back of Sir Cadogan's picture. Ask him if he saw. Um, she glares at Ron suspiciously, um, but goes back to the portrait and um, goes outside. The whole common room listened with bated breath. Sir Cadogan, did you let a man enter Gryffindor Tower? Certainly, good lady, cried Sir Cadogan. There was a stunned silence both inside and outside the common room. You, you did, said Professor McGonagall, but, but the password... He had him, said Sir Cadigan proudly, had the whole weeks of my, had the whole weeks, my lady, read them off a little piece of paper. Um, Professor McGonagall pulled herself back through the portrait hole, her face, uh, to face the stunned crown. She was white as chalk. Which person, she said, which abysmally foolish person wrote down this week's passwords and left them lying around? Um, there was utter silence, broken by the smallest of terrified squeaks. Neville Longbottom, trembling from head, fluffy slippered toes, raised his hand slowly into air, in the air. Um, yeah. And that's the end of the chapter. It's actually way shorter than I thought. My bad, y'all. I'm so yeah. used to these chapters being long. Yeah. Um, um, it's a short chapter, but I, again, go back to Neville just being, like, the bravest person, because he mm -hmm. takes responsibility for, unlike some rats, Right. <laughs> <laughs> like right away there wasn't even like you he know was, he hey. could have been on some mm, I don't know who, Ooh, who, I don't who, know did, who that? did that doesn't seem right you know <laughs> yeah they no, he was, smart, but right away take yourself really for a shit yeah um, also Sirius just has no goddamn chill he really doesn't but you gotta love him anyway don't you yeah of course I mean like I get it but also, like, you can't come at 13-year-olds with knives. Like, he wasn't coming at a 13-year-old with a knife. But, he was coming up to that rat bastard with a knife. But he was. And then even from, like, the... from, And then even what it looks like is that he was really looking for Harry. Yep. And then he just slashed the thing and was like, oh, it's not him. Oh, shit. Gotta go. <laughs> Gotta blast, like Icky says. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's, like, pretty much... Yeah, it was... A problem. It wasn't um, the finest hour. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't. Um, so who's your MVP? Serious? <laughs> God. God, Robin. You know me. I, um, I, I didn't hear you. Can I explain um, why? You said what? Can I explain I myself? I, I know I know why you chose Sirius, um, but you can. But <laughs> um, I chose Harriet not because he the fireball. He watched them as they he had so much fun. He he did the work to get in the common room. He just so close, so close yet so far, yeah, so far away, so very far. His lack of chill just just took it. Um, but he was so close. Yeah. Um, I chose Harry, not because he did anything particularly amazing. I mean, I guess, actually, no. The Patronus, he did that really well, and that was great, um, even though it wasn't really a Dementor. Um, but I feel like, one, Harry hasn't won a lot of chapters, which is fine. I just think it's funny. Um, also, yeah. there was no one in particular this chapter who was really, like, 
stood out to me in any I way. Say when you were re- when you were rereading him going up to Hermione, um, even though the first thing he does is ask about Quidditch, I, I give him a pass to see that his brain thinks about Quidditch first things first, but um, mm-hmm. you, know, you can't change the nature of who someone is, really. But he, like, showed genuine concern for her. You have to eat, you know, mm-hmm. you're not enjoying yourself. Mm-hmm. To Harry, it's also like, and you would think that it wouldn't, it would be, the same with Hermione coming from a muggle household, but like he still hasn't lost his joy of magic, you know, like he's right. like, we're in a magic castle, we're in a school, mm-hmm. like fun overall, right? Like this shit is awesome. And so to see her not take partaking in the fun and being alone and ostracized and stressed, um, he did step up and check in the best way he could. Right. Um, okay, who would you bench? Ron. No, Neville. Neville. I bench Neville. Because okay. um, he's leaving his shit around. But also you have like the support system. This is kind of also talking about Hermione like not using her like or people thinking that she doesn't need a support system. People know Neville needs a, needs a support system and he's got friends. Like, hey, are you going back to the tower? I don't remember the password. All right, cool, let's go. Or what's the password? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there are better ways than to just write them down. That's because he exactly. doesn't want to... And then when he loses them, he could have... Like, he tells Ron and <laughs> Harry, but yeah, that, what are they going to do? That just goes right out of their mind because, like, you tell, like, McGonagall or you tell... Like, you tell McGonagall who can then tell, like, the, um, Sir Cadigan... going to change them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I chose Scabbers because he just calls in all this goddamn trouble. Um, True. Ruining friendships. He already ruined friendships and lives. And then he's ruining uh, more friendships. And then... And more um, lives. And more lives. And doesn't want to take any responsibility. Yeah. This is so true. I should just, like, bench... Like, every time I get stuck, I feel like I don't bench Scabbers unless it's, like, super-duper egregious. Like, Mm-hmm. taking his own death last chapter but mm-hmm. um i just feel like his like presence especially when nothing like really <laughs> really like big happens um i feel like yeah. his presence is always the thing that is like causing all the conflict um yeah. which is why i so tend to be initially um yeah unless it's somebody like snape coming out being an asshole then like you get the bench or... that's true i feel like the bench should, the bench is like the default bench should be Scabbers slash Peter unless someone comes up and does above and beyond. In rare form. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think my benching of Neville is also I think it's sad because it's um we're recording this on Neville's birthday, so I don't even worry uh-huh. about it. But like I do think like it's because he the reason why I think this starting at putting it in Gryffindor, like he needs to step up and really recognize how great he is. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, and when he doesn't do that, and when he doesn't recognize his own power, and when he doesn't lean on his friends, shit goes wrong. Shit goes south. So. Real. Um, well, this is a short episode, but y'all got bonus episodes and like pictures and content and shit. You good. Three yeah. hours of an episode. Like, you got three you hours. Know. You can go listen to that again. Yeah, Marauder's Map. Um, this, is this is a rare situation. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for Enjoy listening. Yeah, you know what I mean? Go, um, go, go, have a, go take, have a coffee on us. 
Well, not on us, but you know, in the in the time that you would have spent listening to this, go enjoy a coffee, watch an episode of Star Trek Voyager. It always or Doctor Who, or I don't know, or Star Trek Voyager. Yes, or Star Trek Voyager. You have options. Um, Thank you for listening. Next week we'll be discussing. Hold up, let me. We're going to get there. Next week, we will be discussing chapter 14 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Snape's Grudge. Uh, Make sure to read and follow along and let us know who you think is the real MVP and who is benched for the chapter. Do not forget that Marge really wants to make the Muggle world world great again. And if y'all don't vote for MVP and the bench, she will win. That will happen. She will win. Don't let it happen. She wants to make the wizarding world normal again. We're not about that life. We're not about that. Do your part. We vote. Not to vote. We do our part. We do our part. We can't, we can't do it all for you guys. We go to London for you. Well. Shut up. Bye. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to make I mean you know, bad. we could tell, you could tell them that, but. Trying to make them feel bad. I mean, okay, sorry. You gotta play for you. We don't want to do that. We don't want to be gallivanting around London, being surrounded by going to the to the studio tour. Who wants to go to the studio tour? We do this for you. The least you can do is vote. We know that you're listening. We see the numbers. We hear you on on Twitter. Be talking. And then never put your vote in. Sometimes you got to stake a flag in the ground and say, scabbers, sit down, you bitch. Make the visiting world great again. We'll see you next week. Um, bye. <laughs>